0: Real gon' recognize, real go recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real, real. Only gon' recognize, still, still reckon I will. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine, I get the shine. Let's you'll Welcome everybody to a special edition of the KRP radio show. This show is entitled the church unleashed or the unleashed church as the title of the book, uh, written by my brother, great friend of mine, pastor, author, humanitarian, biker, you name it just a a, a regular, uh, a beautiful human being extraordinaire, I guess we would say, (laughs) but, uh, we have a, a special guest, guest with us, uh, none other than uh, Pastor Rob Polchek. He's going to come on, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about this book entitled The Unleashed Church. And, uh, you know, let's just get down to it, folks. Uh, one-on-one exclusive interview. There will be no commercials. Uh, we will be talking exclusively about this topic and uh, about this book, a very interesting title. Uh, welcome to the show, none other than Rob Polcheck. How are you doing, sir?
1: Hey, man, I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Wonderful man. Good to have you on the show and to talk about this book that you've been alluding to for a while.
1: Yeah, man. Look, I I really appreciate you uh talking to me about it. It's been a uh been a long time coming, so to speak. Uh folks see it and they think, man, it's not all that big to say long time coming, but uh it's uh the book started out as a PhD dissertation and uh wow. <clears throat> after that it uh it got uh well, I ended up moving out to North Carolina, and they got put on hold, and so finally got around to uh, putting it in a format that would benefit the church and benefit Christians and benefit folks that want to, uh, want to figure out how God wants to use them to uh, make the world a better place and to uh, extend his kingdom, you know. And so uh, finally got it done, uh, got it out uh, this fall.
0: Beautiful. And, and that, that's quite a story alone. Where, where actually were you living uh, when, when this came to you to write this book?
1: Well man look when I when I started in the uh, PhD program um went to Southern Seminary in, in Louisville Kentucky and when uh first semester of that which would have been 2005 they they said you know y'all need to find a a topic that you want to that you can live with for a long time because when you do a dissertation I mean you're doing research and reading and all just all kind of stuff and if if it's a topic you're going to get sick of then you know don't pursue it right so they said you need to find this topic well this issue of spiritual gifts and particularly spiritual gift inventories had been something I had been thinking about, and this is no joke, since I was 14 years old. Okay. Wow. Yeah, man. 14? I, mean, I, I be, Yeah, I became a Christian when I was 11. My pastor at that time, um, about the mid-'80s, he introduced some spiritual gift inventories to us, <clears throat> and I'll never forget. That I turned to my mother in the in, in the pew, man. So old school church, you know, pews on both sides, organ, piano on each side, and and I remember turning to her and I said, "Did the Apostle Paul use this?" And as a 14 year old kid, you know, I, I had this question about where this stuff come from. And through and I tell a little bit of the story that throughout um, college and seminary, I'd have professors say. Yeah, those inventories, they're not they're not really the best tools, but we still use them. And so when it right. came time for me to pick a topic I could live with, I thought, well, I've been living with this one for a long time already, and uh I want to get to the bottom of it. And so that's that was kind of the uh the impetus, and then as I walked through the program and and was was doing, you know, 40-page term papers, basically you'd call them 40-page research papers, I did those all around that topic of spiritual gifts And, and spiritual gift identification And uh, so when it came time to write the dissertation I had done probably as, as much or more research in this area Than, than anybody else at that point
0: Wow that, yeah. I mean, I, I really wasn't expecting that That's, uh, man, that's quite a life's journey It's it, it's almost, it, because I believe in faith You know, I, yeah. I, I believe in I, I believe in destiny. I believe in a calling. So, this is almost a calling for you, though.
1: It is. I mean, because, you know, when you, and, and when you think about it in that context, um, when I surrendered to ministry, I was 17 years old. And the passage that was preached on is actually one of the spiritual gift passages, it's Ephesians chapter 4. And the guy that was preaching was talking about the role of a pastor is to equip God's people to get engaged in ministry. Okay. That's what the text says. And that was the passage that gripped my heart. And I thought, that's what God wants me to do with my life. He wants me to spend my life helping his people figure out how they can get on mission with him in the world. And, and so you're right. There's a, um, you know, maybe people who are non, um, non-Christian folks or or folks that that don't necessarily tie that together would say it's fate or destiny or some such thing. But I, I would agree. I think it's in some ways, much like Jeremiah, it's, you know, in the womb, I called you for this. And so I have I just have a clear sense that that's that's what God had called me to do, put this on my heart. I began to in my pastoral work, um, you know, was always interested in trying to figure out how to get people involved in serving and then when I had the opportunity then to do some research and um make that um make that a part of my life and a bigger part of my life then it then it became it just it just has blossomed from there. It's just been incredible.
0: I, uh, you know, it, it's, it's so much running through my mind right now. Man, it's, it's, it, I definitely want to get deep into this book. But I have so many questions because I, what we're going to do with this episode, uh, we're going to run this on Sunday and all through the week, you know, over and over on repeat. Because it seems like to me, uh, Rob, that a lot of people don't believe in Christ today. Yeah. and. You know, even for the non-believers, they believe in something else. You know, atheists will tell you, "Quick, I don't believe in anything, but to believe in nothing, you have to believe in something." And I might have said that too fast for some people, but I know you know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. We see a lot of that today. You know, what would you attribute that to? If you, if you look back, you know, to when when you know when you were 14 and this was given to you, sure. and you start thinking about spiritual gifts, and then you look at the average 14-year-old today. You know, what would you attribute a lot of the the, the lack of faith that people have to?
1: Yeah, I, I think um to take, to take a really <clears throat> broad topic and 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 there now I think part of it is uh, my, my parents were believers, so they 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 raised me in an environment where talking about and asking questions about the faith was normal, and. And I, I want to be careful to say that doesn't mean that I think that everybody that's a Christian is just because they're raised that way. What I'm saying is that right. there are Christian parents. There are Christian parents who might listen to your show. There are Christian parents who who are sitting in the pews in the, in, in churches and, and in the chairs at our church. And they don't discuss spiritual matters with their kids. They don't mind talking about their favorite ball team. They don't mind talking about Cam Newton's wreck the other day. Look, the closest they might get is 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 what he had to say afterwards, right I'm on somebody's fantasy league,'s probably the man upstairs, right, and that might be the closest some folks ever get to discussing Christianity with their kids, and I'm talking Christian folks, and when that happens, kids immediately disconnect what I do at church or what my christian my Christianity is from the rest of my life and so we we drive we strive here at Roller road Baptist Church, we strive for our folks to have the gospel throughout all of their life. Raise your children in light of the gospel and not just drag them to church and say, this is what we do for, for Jesus. So so these kids grow up, and they see mom and dad, and, and mom and dad go to church, and then they leave church, and they complain about the church, and they complain about the pastor. They don't like this. They don't like that. They don't like how they're doing things, and they never discuss the faith anywhere else. I remember sitting at my dining room table, right, because I'm a child of the 80s, okay? So when I grew up, I mean, you, you remember back to this kind of stuff too, right? The, um, uh, the Ethiopian famine and, and uh, we are the world and we're going to raise money and we're going to eradicate hunger and all this stuff. And I remember sitting at my my kitchen table and our topic of discussion at dinner, which that doesn't happen anymore either. But the topic of discussion at dinner was, so why does God allow this? Does God cause it? Does he allow it? Let's just, Let's talk about it. What's that look like? That's a topic of discussion for me as a twelve or fourteen or fifteen year old kid and my sisters you know one's three years younger, one's seven years younger, that's what we talked about at supper time, okay, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and so Christian parents today man they just they do not engage in these conversations, part of it's because maybe they feel like they don't know enough, they don't have all the right answers and 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 it's not about having the right answers it's about it's about knowing who the answer is, okay? And so I think a lot of that drives it. I think it's why we see kids tend to to, to move away from uh, the faith in their college years. Many of them come back, but many of them move away from the faith during their college years because when they hit on a college campus or they talk to professors they talk to other students, they see people who are thoroughly living out their worldview, where a lot of times in the church they don't. They see folks that Talk about Jesus on Sunday, and then you know cheat somebody in business on Monday, or um, you know Mama talks about how it's great to, to to love everybody, and then she goes home and has roast pasture on Sunday after church, you know that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I, I just think that that drives some of that, and so people just when when they do not see authentic Christianity lived out in front of them, um, they withdraw from it. Who wants to get who who wants to give themselves to something that's not real? Who wants to give themselves to something that's not authentic? Nobody. Right. So they 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 walk away from it. So, yeah, I think I think that's 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 I think that's the that's the hub of it, man. I mean, it, it always it always comes back to ho- home life. It always comes back to home life. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, God has called pastors to be the, the the or He has called parents to be the first pastors that their children have. And mm-hmm. we we do that here at our church, man. We let we have fathers. Come into baptistry and baptize their children when their children make a commitment of faith,
0: because wow. we want to
1: reinforce your father is your first pastor, your mother is your second pastor. We're simply provide, we're helping them to help you walk with Jesus. Okay, so that's I, I think I think that drives a lot of that, um, and then in a sense, some of the stuff that's, that 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 I talk about in the book with getting involved in in serving in the life of the church. That's another area where there's a disconnect, where we we act like the stuff you do in everyday life, or the, the the leadership skills you possess at work, or the talents and abilities you might possess, those are great, but but we need you to do some spiritual stuff here, and and we mm-hmm. we created a huge disconnect between what life in the church looks like and what quote real life looks like. Now I think you, people they, they, they taste that and walk away.
0: That's a little bit. Of a new school approach, like I, I know, and and this is not even important. Uh, I think the outcome of what what I'm trying to get to is more important. Just to let you know, but I I understand what you're saying. Like it, it makes perfect common sense, and it makes perfect mm-hmm. spiritual sense. But it's a new way. It's a new approach. So I, do you get flack behind that kind of approach?
1: Well, yeah, um, it's it's uh, I get some. That's for sure. Um but but at the end of the day I think I think it's a really old school approach. I think it g I think it's rooted back in the in the Old Testament. I think it's rooted in the meta narrative of the Bible that that um the the both on both fronts, on the parental responsibility side that your responsibility is to be the, the priest in the home or the pastor in the home and, and to to train your children up in 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 the nurture and admonition of the Lord, sort of in the old King James way of saying it. And then the other side of it is using your gifts and skills. If you go back to the Old Testament, in fact, I do it in the book. I go back to the Old Testament and look at all these guys in the Old Testament who had who had skills and crafts that that were very practical. Okay, um, these guys who are who are craftsmen and and skilled workers who end up given the responsibility to do work in the temple. Okay, and so you think to yourself, well, well, why is it if if that's how the Bible is is talking about serving that these guys just just use their their abilities. I mean, I think when when uh when my son was born, I wanted to I wanted to name him uh Stephen Kenaniah. And my wife had, well, wanted none of it, man. She, she she's like, hey, know what?" And I I said, "Come on, that's a cool name." She said, "No, that she said, where'd you get that?" Well, it's one of these guys in the Old Testament, okay? And he's a he's a musician in the Old Testament. Which is ironic because my son ended up being a tremendous drummer. And I, I still tell her to this day, you see, if we didn't name him what I said, we didn't name him, he'd have been fine. But um, the deal was, Ken and I was a guy who was put in charge of leading the singing, okay? And when you look at it, it's, uh, 1 Chronicles 15, 22, when you look at that passage, it answers why. It says he was put in charge of the singers because he was skillful at it, Okay. So there was no, there was no spiritual gift test he took. There was no, you know, let's sit down with the pastor and and figure out, uh, you know, what kind of spiritual role you can fill. And it, it was, hey, who's good at singing? That Ken and I dude is good. Get him in here. Let's have him do it because he's good at that. And and I and I think that's that's where a lot of churches miss it, man. I I'm, I mean, church leaders, okay? Because I mean, the the book. My biggest struggle with the book was deciding: do I write it to church leaders? or Do I write it to the, for everyday Christians? And I ended up writing it to everyday Christians, and just put a little little section in there for um, for church leaders. But the deal was, um, church leaders, pastors, they they end up asking people to serve in capacities sometimes because it's their friends, or sometimes because they they think it'd be politically good to do, and if, and it's, or or they've given them a spiritual gift test, and it comes out a certain way, and they go, yeah, let's have you serve in that area, and those are all the wrong reasons. And so we, we have a we do an entirely different approach uh here where uh where I serve. Um where I'm at, we, we literally ask the question, What are you good at? What do you like to do? What do you want to do? Yeah. What do you think you'd be yeah. good at? That kind of stuff. You know what I mean?
0: That that's nice too, that that's big. Uh, you know, when we first talked about this and, and I was looking at the book and I have not ordered it yet. I'm getting ready to push the button here in seconds. Uh but I, I remember you saying And you even said it today, you know, uh, spiritual gift inventory. You know, what is a spiritual gift inventory? Explain that to the people because I know a lot of people are wondering what exactly you mean by that.
1: Well, they they were developed um, starting in the, actually going all the way back to the 1960s is when the roots of them were developed. But then really they became prominent in the 1980s. Basically, they're a test. And and a lot of folks, if you've been in churches for very long, you've probably seen one or or heard of one or maybe your pastor suggested one but basically it's just a little test you take a survey you take where it'll have questions on it you know and there's a there's a likert scale on it that says you know do you strongly agree agree you know neutral disagree strongly disagree something like that and and basically it'll have statements like i have a burning desire to share my faith and then you you fill in which one is that does that represent you or another one might be i really like to gather material for teaching and then another one might be, I have deep empathy for people who are going through difficulty. And so there's you know, dozens or maybe hundreds of these questions that are put together. And then you fill out this test, and then it, it self-scores usually. It's a little sheet that you do, and it self-scores. And when you get done, it says it'll tell you that you answered the questions in such a way that when you finish, you say, oh, look at that. My spiritual gift is teaching and pastor or mercy or whatever. And the problem is that all of the psychological investigation into those tests and into those inventories has demonstrated that they really don't show that. In other words, they promise to tell you which spiritual gift you have out of 10 or 12 or 15 or depending on which one you take. And in truth, the really the only thing that you can you can quantify is that it will tell you whether you lean more towards speaking gifts or serving gifts. Are you more of a behind-the-scenes person, or are you willing to get out in front and speak with people? Okay? So I'll tell you right now, if you and I took the test, we would end up scoring high on those areas where we would be speaking to people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's who we are. If right. if my wife took the test, she would score really high on those areas where she's behind the scenes because she doesn't want to lead stuff. She doesn't want to lead a mm-hmm. ministry. She doesn't want to get up, talk to people. That's not her thing. But she'll go organize your preschool closet like nobody's business. Okay? Mm-hmm. So. The deal. With, so those tests, they became really prominent in the 80s and the 90s, and then a lot of churches adopted them and began using them uncritically. Didn't even think about it. Just said, "Hey, this looks like a good tool. It'll get people serving." And 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 my my contention is that we adopted them uncritically in a lot of churches because it was easier than sitting down with folks and asking them some really hard, penetrating, qualitative questions, like what do you enjoy what are you good at what are your hobbies what are your talents what are your what are you what gives you joy what gives you strength okay and so so that's that's kind of where they these things came out of they became real popular i mean a lot of different authors have done them i interviewed several of the people who developed the most prominent ones um, I interviewed those guys. The one, the guys that did the team ministry one, uh, Peter Wagner, who developed one. I interviewed those guys and asked them about the construction of them, what what kind of processes they used, what kind of safeguards they used to make sure that they were scientifically accurate. And 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 the answers were woeful. I mean, the answers were sad because they really didn't do anything. They just figured a person who's evangelistic probably likes to share their faith. Okay, good. Let's let's ask that question. But that's not. That is not a good psychometric to use in developing an instrument that is reliable across hundreds and thousands of people. So at the end of the day, my deal is we don't use them. I don't use them. I don't recommend that they be used. I think at the end of the book I say if you're ever going to use one, only use it to see whether you fall more towards speaking or serving. That's it. But most people know that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That, that's That's not a secret for most people. If you ask somebody, you know, What's your biggest fear? And they say, getting up and speaking in front of a crowd. Well, then you probably aren't called to preach and teach. Um, this, just a thought, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I think when you talk about these spiritual gifts, it seems like to me, and, and I've seen over time that a lot of people get these confused. You know, there's a lot of people in the wrong capacities, and that sounds like what you were witnessing as well. You so know, how dangerous yeah. can that be, to have people in the wrong capacity in, in a church format?
1: Well, it's it's it can be really bad. Um, I'll guarantee you if you have me go down and serve in the nursery, it's gonna get it's gonna get ugly. Okay. <laughs> I mean that's just that's just not gonna work real good. Uh parents are gonna be mad, they're gonna be upset, they're gonna wanna know why nobody changed a diaper on their, on their child and I'm gonna say because it wasn't my child and I don't change the other kids' diapers. I mean whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not gonna be good. That's just not my area of strength. It's not my area of, of um talent, and passion. By the same token, if you ask me to design a computer system for the church, that's not going to go well. Okay, yeah. That's not my area of strength. For, look, frankly, if you put me on a stewardship team, that's probably not a good idea, because I'm a spender. Okay, I like to spend money. And the stewardship team, they have to spend it, but they also have to be wise in how they allocate it. So when we built our stewardship team, I, just as an example, when we built our stewardship team here at Raleigh Road, one of the things I looked for was I wanted, to, I wanted to make sure I had people who, first and foremost, knew how to manage money. Secondly, people who had strong faith, who were willing to, to take some steps of faith, because that's important to do. But I also wanted to make sure that they, they complimented me so that I didn't have a room full of people who were saying, yeah, let's just spend, 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 because I know that for the benefit of the body, I've got to have somebody offset my tendencies. I want to be the guy encouraging us that way, but I need other folks to say, from a financial standpoint, this is what we need to do to maintain good balance and integrity in our financial system. So, we look intentionally for people who have some gifts and abilities in in, in areas, rather than just hoping somebody says yes. I mean, if you, you know, like I say, if you've been in church very long, you've got a nominating committee, and they come to you and, hey, we got a slot to fill on the on the decorating team. Would you do it? You know, whatever. Yeah, I'll sign me up. I guess. Well, that's not what you want. You want to go find five or six people who just love that stuff. You know, they're just yeah. creative and all that, and let them do it. If you if you ask me to do it, I, in fact, I told somebody the other day we had a funeral here at the church, and they had a a, a couple in our church did a, they have a tremendous gift of hospitality, and they're very creative, and they set up a, a room for this family where that family could could eat and fellowship and whatnot, and they had that thing decorated, and it it looked like. You know it looked like you had taken one a fancy restaurant and transported it into our church, okay? Wow, well, if it had been up to me, they'd have folding chairs and plastic tables. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not my area of strength. that's not my gift. I ain't good at that yeah. so I, I don't i don't i mean I stick a flower in the middle of the table and I think I've done something. So my point is, you got people who listen to the, to, to the show you got people who listen who say, "Man, I'm really good at." You know, whatever it might be, fill in the blank. I'm good at that thing. and Or I love to do it. I enjoy it. Um, we've got a bunch of ladies in our church. They love to knit. They love to um, They do crocheting and all that kind of mess. And so they decided to put a group together to do it. But then they just said, let's not just do this for the fun of it. Let's actually make some stuff to benefit somebody. So they make a bunch of baby clothes that we ship to Korea to a pastor who cares for orphans in Korea. Okay? Wow. So – so instead of it being just one of these deals where a bunch of folks get together and make make some stuff, they're using the thing that they're passionate about, the thing that they enjoy, but they're using it for the sake of the kingdom, and that that's what I think is key. Well,
0: you know, it's 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 safe to say. Look, looking at the title and hearing the things that you're saying about your book and and things that are practical, you know, in in your own church, it's safe to say that this book. Uh, the Unleashed search that you wrote Is uh, for strengthening congregation You know if you will Was, was that is. your intent?
1: Yeah, yeah it was In fact when I, when I defended my dissertation Which is the, kind of the last step in that process My chapter 5 of that dissertation Is the practical application And one of the things that happened Was one of my professors said This seems really practical For a PhD dissertation that, That's not typically how they're done and I told him I didn't want to write anything that wouldn't benefit the body. That was my goal. I wanted to make sure it benefited the church, benefited the local church, benefited individual Christians. And so that's that's the, the nature of this. Whether you're an individual Christian looking for a church or looking for a place to serve that's going to help you, we're doing it as a small group study starting in January at our church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're actually, in fact, right now I'm, I'm finishing up a study guide to accompany the book. And that study guide should be finished next week. And once that study guide is finished, then that's going to be available, uh, hopefully through Amazon, and paired with the book. But I'm doing a, a study guide so churches can actually say, "Hey, look, let's read the book together. Let's do a study guide. I'm going to have sermons put together." And so, uh, you know, a pastor could say, "I want, I want that package. I want, I want the books. I want study guide. I want your PowerPoint sermons and notes. I want all of that stuff so I can do a five-week series with my folks on on how to get them unleashed for ministry."
0: Wow. That's awesome, man. I, I like how you, you know, you're building on this. It's almost this book, you know, the Unleashed Church, this thing could go on and on and on because, you know, in, in my opinion, and, I, and I'm not trying to dare tell you how to continue to, you know, your saga that you're on with this book, but it could it could easily be uh, a continuation with, you know, a, a book on each each gift and, you know, how it's worked in your congregation and things that you've seen because, you know, in this day and age of reality TV, with which I can't stand at times, but you know, sometimes it's 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 nice to be able to see someone else going through what you've been through and how they made it. Through. And uh, you know, you can see things in first person. Sometimes it's beneficial. So you know, I could see this thing continuing on and on and on, getting to, it's, 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 I I would actually like to read that. You know, so maybe that's well one, of, one of the...
1: One of the things that's different about about my approach and about the book that I wrote, the way I define spiritual gifts, for example, says, an individual's God-given skills, talents, and passions willingly used to serve and benefit the body of Christ in order to advance the kingdom of God. Okay? So so you've got several components. You've got an individual's God-given skills, talents, and passions. We recognize all those skills, talents, and passions come from God. Okay? The passions you have in your life that have led you to do what you're doing, okay, those come from God. Okay, no doubt about it from birth, God puts those in you. You're willing to use them for the benefit of the body to extend God's kingdom. The shorthand way I say that is anything you're willing to give away for the sake of the kingdom, that's your spiritual gift to the church okay and And so what when, when the way I approach it is it really eliminates trying to create spiritual gift lists at all. Instead, what it does is says in your church the 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 stuff you have people doing in your church and the things people are giving themselves to in your church may look different than it does in my church. There will be some similarities, but then there's going to be some uniquenesses too. And those uniquenesses is why, in my estimation, the spiritual gift lists in the New Testament are different. It's why the lists that are given in Corinthians and in Romans and in Ephesians, those lists are not identical. There's, I think there's only one. It's either teaching or prophecy that's in all of them. But all the rest of those lists, they're not identical. And the question's got to be why. Why are they not identical? A lot of folks think, you know, have these crazy reasons about, well, Paul's just giving some samples or some examples or this or that. What if we turn it around and say maybe Paul is identifying the gifts that are present in that church so that it becomes mm-hmm. local circumstances that drive him to, No different than if I said, but would you tell me what ministries your church has, and you start telling me what ministries you have. And he said, "Tell me what ministries you guys got at your church, Pastor Rob." And I say, "Okay, at our church we got these ministries." And then we compare those two lists. They're probably not identical. Okay, mm-hmm. they might be similar. I'd mm-hmm. say we got a band. We got some folks that sing. We got folks that run our sound system. And you might say, yeah, we got folks that run our sound system, and we don't have a band, we do this other thing, and we got a choir. Do you have a choir? I say, no, we don't have a choir. Okay, do you have Sunday school teachers? Yeah, we got that. Yeah, we got that too. Do you have a a missions team? Yeah, we both got a missions team. Okay, uh, we got a homeless ministry. Do you got that? And so you you start going down, and at some point you're going to have similarity, but then you're going to have stuff that's unique. So I may say, yeah, we go feed homeless guys on Wednesday night, and you say, yeah, that's cool, we don't do that, but we've got a thing where single moms can get oil changes at our church. Oh, that's a cool ministry. So every, nice. see, every. Ch- that, then your church, when you give me your list of what your church does, that's different than the, what my church does. And my contention is that's what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. He's identifying what's prominent in those churches, and that's why the lists are different. And, and we make a mistake when we say, well, let's just throw all the lists together, and that's our big pool to pick from for spiritual gifts. Because that's not his point at all. And, and I go into a lot of detail, very precise detail, about the local circumstances in each church, why the lists were created the way they were, how I actually used some work from Dr. Ken Birding out at Biola as to why God, why Paul used lists the way he did to convey what God wanted him to convey, that he has unique ways he uses lists, and he does it with spiritual gifts too. We just We see the same word and we think, oh, this must all fit together. But it would be just like seeing the phrase, church ministries and yet they're unique in every local church the same phrase covers them but they're unique in each local church and so that's that when, when it comes to that that's that's probably the most radical aspect of what i do in the book and and how i get to that and i show how i get to it by coming to the text without any preconceived notions is what paul means by spiritual gifts wow that, that's that's well, a lot it, to digest
0: it 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 is it is, but I've, I've got it locked in this big dome, peace of mind. I, I hear you, man. You know, we've, talked about, we've talked about it before, so, you know, I, I actually did a little bit of research on it, man, and everything you say is, is true, man, with, with bells and whistles on it at that. Um, yeah. Where, where's the confirmation of Paul's gift uh, in different chapters of the Bible? You know, a lot of people talk about the gifts, and they, like you said, they, they take them uh, uh, verbatim. They, they try to do exactly all of the gifts in, in one person, or, or you know, one person tries to do all of the gifts, and, and sometimes it's, right. it's not for you. Uh, where can one find uh, the confirmation, if you will, of what Paul was saying when he was talking about spiritual gifts?
1: Well, what what I would say is I actually do a chapter on evaluating effectiveness because I, I think I think the idea of of confirmation and, and thinking about when I'm. Um, when I'm serving in a capacity uh, I do need to have some confirmation I think it comes from several places and I and I talk about this a little bit in the book um yep. at toward the end I th- I think one one place it comes from is just the holy spirit's communication with you okay so that as you as you um hear about a ministry at, at your church pastor gets up announces we're going to start this ministry and something in you says yeah I want to do that I want to get a part of that well that that could be the the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna guarantee it because it could just be that you you know, you ate Mexican food the night before or something. But there's a chance that it could be the Holy Spirit saying, Yeah, that is for me Okay. And then the second area of confirmation is outside. And that's where I think church leaders have a huge responsibility. It's it's I hear people all the time say, Well, you know, we got these volunteers and they're not serving where they really ought to be, but you can't fire a volunteer Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. Now, it's helpful not to do it in a cruel way, but you need to evaluate every person that's doing ministry in the life of your church. So that if if you've got a person who's working down with the 2 year olds and they can't stand it, they don't really like it, but they've been guilted into doing it and so they're down there and they don't treat the kids very nicely and the kids don't like to be there, it's best to say, let's find a different place for you to serve. Rather, than saying no, you're going to stay there the whole year because you got signed up. Well, that's just ridiculous. Okay, so I think there's some evaluation takes place. I know you do this in, in 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 your kind of work, and I do it in my kind of work. I have annual evaluations with all of my employees here at the church. Okay, we go we sit down and we all talk about what did you do this past year, how did you do, where are you growing in your in your job? Where you, we need to do that same thing with our volunteers in the life of our church. So that's an external component of confirmation. That comes into play. So you've got the internal confirmation of the Holy Spirit, then you've got the external confirmation of your church leadership and the body of Christ in general, and then a third place I think that you get some confirmation is from those people that you're serving with. Okay. In fact, in the book I do this. I call it a 360-degree evaluation. So you've got the internal, you've got the you got the external in terms of the church and church leadership. Then you've got the people you're serving with. Okay. If you're down there working with the with the youth uh, ministry. There's other people who are serving alongside you. They know whether or not you care about those kids or whether you're just there marking time. And so that's a place for some some evaluation where church leadership can talk to the folks who are serving alongside you to say, how's he doing down there? How's she doing down there? Mm -hmm. And then the last place, frankly, are the people that you're serving. No different than a a college or a university when they do an end-of-the-semester evaluate the professor I think that there needs to be some of that evaluation. Um, if you're teaching a Sunday school class that starts with 50 people and you start teaching it and two months into it you've grown it down to 10, um, somebody should have stopped you, right? Somebody should, have, somebody should have intervened and because it's not working real well. So I advocate a 360-degree, that's what I call it, 360-degree evaluation where you're looking for internal, you're looking for Um, internal confirmation of the Holy Spirit, external from church leadership and the church body at large, the people who are serving with you, and then the people that you're serving. And so those things are what play into confirming whether or not you should do it. And, again, I'll give you a great example. I really like music, okay, love music. I think every pastor secretly wants to be a worship leader, and every worship leader secretly wants to be a pastor. So I like music, and I I play just enough guitar to get through Sweet Home Alabama, okay? That's about it. Okay, But I can make it happen. I can do any classic rock song that's got three chords to it. Well, if I walked up to my worship guy and I said, listen, I'm here to play in the band. I want to play and sing. And he said, why do you think that? And I said, well, because i got a desire to do it. I enjoy doing it, and I think God's calling me to it. Well, he would be wise not to just take that at its, at its face value. He would be wise to do some more investigation. He'd be wise to say, why don't you play me a song? Why don't you sing for me? And once I started singing, then he would be wise to say, I really think there's probably some better areas for you to serve in. Okay? Because singing is not my strong suit. And I and look, I've had to do that. I've We've had folks that really didn't need to be singing, who really wanted to be involved in our worship ministry, and we found yeah. other places for them to serve in our worship ministry. Okay? that I mean, I might love music, but I can run the soundboard better than I can sing. And so... I think that's where that effectiveness comes in, that evaluation. And, I, and my my contention, because cause it's, it's, it's in your question, my contention is we do not want to rely only on our sense of the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you, we can convince ourselves God is calling us to do all sorts of things that God Absolutely. may have nothing to do with. Okay? Hmm. So we want to make sure we get some other perspectives than just what we feel and what we how we feel we ought to be serving um i mean look again i go back to remember the old days when american idol was fun to watch you know when, when, when when simon was on there and he would wear people out but the thing i loved about him wearing people out was he was telling them the truth okay most of the time you get some joker up there, and somebody told him they could sing, and they couldn't sing. And everybody watching that episode knew they couldn't sing, and we were all waiting for Simon to tell them he couldn't sing. That's right. And I think, and I think there's there's something that can be transferred into the into church life. I'm not suggesting we do it the way Simon did, but there there are some things we can transfer into church life where people can't just rely on they feel they should do something. Let's let's make sure other people see that same gifting in you, and let's make sure that other people are ben, are blessed by what you're doing. Let's make sure the people serving with you see that in you, and then when all four of them things come together, you know you're exactly where you need to be. I
0: like that. Then two minutes, uh, the book, the Unleashed Church. I, I appreciate you the way you've expanded on this topic, and uh, if, if folks you know, are considering getting this book, this is one thing that you should look forward to, you know, a, a conversation piece, an expansion on uh, unleashing your spiritual gifts, you know, not not a beat down, you know, but I, right. from what I understand, and I've read some of the reviews, and it seems to be, you know, quite the information piece. And, uh, you know, a lot of people from what I've seen and, and what I'm reading, a lot of people are loving what you have so far, Uh, Right now, I'm looking at Amazon.com is where you can get it, that backslash Unleashed Church, Unleashed with an E-D on the end, Church, Understanding Spiritual Gifts. Uh, Go to Amazon and just put it in the church, man, Unleashed Church, Unleashed Spiritual Gifts, you know, Understanding Spiritual Gifts, whatever you got to do to find it. Uh, Is there anywhere else that you you sell in your book?
1: Um, I have it in a local bookstore uh, here in Wilson. Uh, It's at the... um uh, faith christian bookstore here in wilson in fact i'm going to do a book signing over there on uh... december the 20th from eleven to one and so we'll have copies there uh... for right now amazon is the best place to get it as you say you can type in the unleashed church there's several of them in there mine's the white book There well, there's there's a couple books with unleashed and church in the title they just reverse the words or whatever but mine's the unleashed church and it's the one that's got a dog collar on there that's been broken. That's what the idea is to let get that church off the leash and let it run free. And so, yeah, Amazon's best place uh, right now that folks can pick it up, and um, or as I say, right now the Faith Christian Bookstore here in Wilson has it. I'm hoping that I can get some of the other bookstores to carry it, but for right now, that's the, those are the two best places to get it. And I'd encourage folks. Buy, buy a copy for your pastor. I mean you want one for yourself but buy a copy for your pastor. Um it's under 10 bucks and and so it's it's not an expensive book. Uh the Kindle's only 5 bucks so you can get the Kindle edition as well. But um you know buy a copy for your pastor as a Christmas gift. It's uh it be it be a great thing to to help him uh think differently about about spiritual gifts because I know it's a, it, that is a sticking point for pastors. Uh, we want we want to see people involved in ministry. So this will help your pastor so I would encourage you to do that as well.
0: I like that. There you go, folks. Make sure you get the book, at least church on Amazon. Look for it in local bookstores in Wilson, and we'll have a link on it on krpradioshow.com. Also on uh, on uh, Facebook.com backslash Krp Radio show. Pastor Rob, I appreciate it. Let the folks know how they can find you on the social media.
1: Yeah, man, you can uh, find me on Twitter. My handle there is PastorRob7. And uh, then on Facebook, of course, it's facebook.com and uh, just Rob Pochek, P-O-C-H-E-K. There's only two of us in the country, so I'm the one that looks most like the pastor. Okay, uh, that's that's kind of how that works. So I should be easy. Of course, you, of course, folks. Hey, look, I I believe I've I've uh, I know I've liked the uh, KRP radio show, and of course, I'm friends with Pudgy, so you can find me through that too. And uh, would love to would love to connect with you that way. And and. Uh, you know, give you. I would love to hear your feedback on the book, and certainly, you pick the book up and read it. I, I would really appreciate any any review you could do on there. Um, areas you think I can improve, areas you think that it's strong, where it helps you. That would be uh, that'd be much appreciated too. So, yeah, Pastor Rob Seven on Twitter, and then just Rob Pocheck on uh, Facebook.
0: Thanks, Pastor Rob. I've got my two books right now on the jack, getting ready to get to for my household, and uh, you know we're gonna cool. See if you can dig into this thing, man, and and read more about it. I appreciate you taking the time on on two different occasions, and especially today in the middle of the week. And uh, thanks to everybody out there who's listening to the special broadcast of the KRP Radio Show. Remember, God is love, love is God. Communication is the key and the way to life. You cannot uh, give your opinion to anybody until you first say hello. All right? We're out of here. One love. Shout out to Pastor Rob. You can find him on Twitter, at Symbol. Pastor Rob 7, you know how to find us, folks. We are out of here. One love. I got to talk. I got to tell what I feel. I got to talk about my life as I see it. Real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real. Phony gon' recognize, still, still, recognize, I will. Like we always do with this time. I go for mine. I get to shine. Let's so all your hands.